0: Church, would you just bow your head with me right where you sit today? I know you feel God's presence like I do in this place. Come on, let's just lift our hands toward heaven. Father, we thank you that right now, in this moment, the blood of Jesus still flows from Calvary's hill. And it reaches to the lowest valley. It reaches us where we sit today. God, we just thank you right now that there is still power in the blood of Jesus. There's power to save there's power to heal. There's power to deliver. Thank you, God, that you can take a wretched sinner and you can wash us and make us whiter than snow. God, we just receive a fresh touch of your grace today, right now, wherever, wherever you're at, listening to this. Just receive right now from the Holy Spirit. Be washed, be made clean in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. Let them know you appreciate their ministry today. Wow. So good. So good. Open your Bibles with me. Acts chapter number 27. We're going to pick up where we left off last Sunday. We're in week two of a series called Shipwreck. And let me just tell you how good God is. In January, we were talking about our Vacation Bible School that we did two weeks ago. Kicked it off here at the church. And, and we knew that we'd have this whole church decorated for VBS with a shipwrecked theme. And I said back in January, you know what? After VBS, we're just going to leave the set up. And I'm going to preach on Paul's journey to Rome because he went through a storm and he was shipwrecked. And I'm going to preach that series after Vacation Bible School. Now, here's why God is so good. Because God can plant a tree in the wilderness a hundred years before the children of Israel get delivered out of bondage and get there and need to find a place for shade. Amen. God's that good. And if he can provide a tree and an oasis of wil- in the wilderness for them, how many of you know he can speak to my heart in January to prepare a word for your heart today? Amen. And I'm gonna tell you this word today is a prophetic word, I believe, to the ladies of, of New Life for Girls. But I believe it's a prophetic word for you too. And so I want you to open your heart today and just open your mind to what the Spirit of God wants to say to us. We're going to talk about what it is to be shipwrecked. I'm going to tell you today, like that old uh, secular psalmist said, we're not going down with the ship. (laughs) Some of y'all don't know that song. That's okay. (laughs) It's not in the hymnal. I was uh, reminded this week as I was preparing for this message that this story in Acts chapter 27 is not a parable. It's not just an allegory. It really happened. You know, since the days of Homer's the Odyssey, people have used shipwrecks to be a, a metaphor for the circumstances that we go through in life. But this week, as I watched the news on Thursday, as many of you watched the news, we saw a storm That quickly rose up on the lake in Branson, Missouri, and a tourist boat sunk in the lake, and 17 people lost their life. I don't know if you saw that on the news this week, but people on the shore captured the video with their cell phones, and and the, the news channels were playing this video, and as I watched that, how quickly circumstances changed from a friendly family vacation to a storm and then before long it was gone it was over 17 people lost their life nine from one family the youngest being one year old that devastation just it reminded me as i went back to the scriptures that this really happened don't look at the word of god through rose-colored glasses today understand that that this is a real storm that real people were in peril. There was real danger. Paul and the others on board thought they were going to lose their life. In fact, the Bible says in verse 18 of Acts chapter 27, it says, we took such a violent battering from the storm. That's how they describe these circumstances. It was a violent battering. Look at verse 20. It says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, And the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Finally, we got to the place. Not that we didn't have faith before it started. Luke's writing this. He says, hey, we believed God. I mean, in spite of the shackles, in spite of the bad weather, we still believe God had a plan. But this storm just wouldn't stop. It went from bad to worse. Ever been there? Until finally... What was hope is lost. We gave up all hope of being saved. We talked about that storm last week and what happened in the midst of it that changed the whole outlook for the Apostle Paul. In the next few verses, he just got down on his knees in the middle of the night, and he began to call out on God until he got a word from God. And sometimes that's what you have to do. Good counsel won't help. Good advice won't help. A daily devotional, even that is not enough unless the Spirit of God speaks a word to you in the moment. And that's what we need when the storm just won't stop. We need a word from God. And that's what Paul gets. God speaks to him in the night. And then look at verse 23 with me. He's speaking now to everybody on board. And he said, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. And he said do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So Paul gets a hold of God He grabs a hold of the horns of the altar and he prays until he gets a word from God. And God spoke a word to him in that moment. And I believe some of you need to hear this word. He didn't just say a word that, Paul, the plan that I had for you is still in place. I told you you were going to go to Rome. I told you you were going to be my witness. I know it doesn't look like things are working out, but you are going to stand trial before Caesar. And by the way, God is going to graciously give you all who sail with you. Some of you, you're not in the shipwreck. You're not in the storm. But somebody that you love is. Somebody that you love, you're thinking, man, I wish they were in a program like these ladies are in. Somebody that you love, you're saying, man, I wish God could turn their life away, around the way he turned Audrey's life around. The way he turned Lindsay's life around. But the reality is that their life is still being storm-tossed. But you need to receive a word from God. He is going to graciously give you all who travel with you. And Paul received that word and and then he stood in faith. He said, I have faith in God. It will happen as he told me. See, Paul was driven by a conviction that the God he served is greater than the storm. You and I need to make a decision today. You need to decide what's driving you. What's going to drive you? What's going to push you? See, when I read this story, I see a word that just keeps coming to the surface in the text. It's in verse 15 first. It says, the ship was caught by the storm and it could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we were driven along. Everybody say driven this morning. We were driven by the storm. In verse 17, down in the latter part, he said, they lowered the sea anchor and they let the ship be driven along. A little farther it's driven it's driven it's driven and then you get down to verse 27 and it says this on the 14th night we were still being driven across the adriatic sea now remember luke's writing this he's already said in verse 22 finally we gave up all hope of being saved but paul got a word from god Anybody ever got a word from God? Anybody ever got a word and said, wait a minute, it ain't over, it ain't over. God's still moving, and then you're like, oh, it's gonna be good, it's gonna be good, but it's not good. Have you ever been frustrated that God didn't move as fast as you thought he was supposed to move? I'm not the, I'm not the only, only one, right? When you prayed and you prayed, and, and you got a hold of a word from God, and you said, okay, finally, now, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be all right, everything's gonna be okay. I just, I feel the frustration through the pen of Luke as he says, look, God, God spoke to Paul. I believe it. We're all going to be saved. But here we are on the 14th night and we are still being driven across this Adriatic Sea. He's frustrated. I got to tell you, you got to make up your mind today. Who are you going to be driven by? Are the circumstances going to continue to to drive you? For some of you, you've been driven by an inner compulsion to to do more, to be more. It's this desire for success, and it has driven your life. The gospel hasn't driven your life. Your own ambition has driven your life. For other, it's not been a pull towards the top of the ladder. It's been a pull to the bottom of the pit for you because it's been addiction. It's been drugs. It's been alcohol. Or maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's pride or lust. But there's something in your life, I want to promise you, it wants to drive you out to sea. But Paul, he made up his mind. He said, I'm not going to let circumstances drive me. In fact, it, several chapters earlier, if you go back to Acts chapter 20, Paul said these words in Acts 20 verse 22. He said, and now compelled by the spirit, or, or can I say driven by the spirit, not knowing What will happen to me? I am going to Jerusalem. Why? He said, I don't know what's going to happen when I get there, but I'm going because I'm driven by the Spirit. Look at the next verse. He says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. See, Paul had already made up his mind. He said, I'm not going to be driven by circumstances. I'm not going to be driven by a storm. I'm not going to be driven by any inward desire in my life. I am driven by the Holy Spirit and my life is nothing to me. If not to fulfill the plan and purpose that God has for my life. Paul had no idea. When the Holy Spirit compelled him and in Acts 23 and verse 11, God said the same way that you've testified about me in Jerusalem, you're going to testify about me in Rome. Paul held on to that spirit inspired word, but he had no idea. That when he received that word from God, that it meant he was going to travel 2,130 miles in shackles, in a storm, in a shipwreck. And before it's over, he'll be snake bit. He's going to go from bad to worse to worse. Paul had no idea what was in his future. But you know what? It didn't matter because he'd already made up his mind. He said, I'm not going to be driven by circumstances. I'm going to be driven by the spirit of God. Amen. And some of you need to make that decision today to say, you know what, I refuse to live a reactionary life any longer. I refuse to sit back and play defense when the spirit of God lives on the inside of me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. The word of God says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. That doesn't sound like defense to me. Amen sounds to me like we're on the winning side. Amen. Amen. So you have to make up your mind and say, I am not going to be driven by a spirit of fear. I'm not going to be driven by a spirit of condemnation. I'm not going to be driven by a spirit of manipulation or of my past or of my anxiety about tomorrow. I'm going to be led by the spirit of the living God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me and he's going to lead me to my destination. See, not everywhere the Spirit leads you is a happy place. You need to know that because the the tendency is for us to get our our theology backwards because we can start to feel like if it's good, it must be God. I dare say there's some ladies on the front row that could say they got into some good times that had nothing to do with God. (laughs) Good doesn't mean God. And conversely, hard times don't mean that we're far from God. See, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4 that the Spirit of God led Jesus or drove Jesus into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. Now, Now, why would the Spirit of God lead Jesus to a place in the wilderness knowing that he's going to be tempted by the devil? Because when you get down to about verse 15 in that story, it says, and Jesus returned to Galilee. In other words, he got, he went to a tough place, but he got back home and he came back to Galilee in the power of the spirit. Amen. Amen. Let me just speak to the circumstance that I'm looking at today. These ladies have been driven to a tough place. Audrey just told you the program ain't easy. Not a cakewalk. But the Holy Spirit has led them to this place. Why? Because they're going to return home in the power of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Some of you are busy cursing the storm that God's got you in. You need to just change your perspective and, and begin to just understand that it's the Spirit of God that is driving my life. It's not circumstances. So look at verse 29 with me. Acts 27, verse 29 says, Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and they prayed for daylight. In attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Them rascals. Now think about this. These guys, they're the sailors. They're the ones that are operating this ship. God spoke a word to Paul. He communicated the word to everybody on board. Look, this ship is going to go down, but I'm going to rescue you and all the people on board are going to be saved. And they all said, oh, amen. Amen. That is awesome, man. Praise God. That is good. You guys ready? You guys ready? Amen. And they start taking the lifeboat over the edge. They're going to leave them. They're about to abandon it. I don't know if you've ever had people in your life like that. That yeah. went, you know, they're oh yeah, it's good. Hey, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Yeah, God is good. God is good. But the first moment they had an opportunity to save themselves, even if they had to step on your neck to get up there, they're going to do it. They pretended, it said. They pretended. A lot of pretenders. They pretended, but then, then Paul, he sees it. He sees what's going on. Look at verse 31. Then Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. How many of you know that motivated them? The next verse says the soldiers ran over there and they cut the ropes off the lifeboat. Just let it drop into the ocean. They just cut the ropes. You guys are with us. And I'm going to tell you what, that sounds like a cruel thing. But some of you, you've been living life looking for plan B. You've been saying, you know, if there's another way out and you need some people to come and just cut the ropes and say, there is no plan B. In fact, some of you need to do that for yourself today. You need to just make up your mind right here and now. Look, I don't care how many nights the storm has been raging in my life. I refuse to live life looking for an exit strategy from the will of God. Come hell or high water, I'm in it. I'm staying with the ship. See, Paul... Paul was the, he was the preacher of the gospel to the Gentiles. See, we're here preaching this message today because Paul took this gospel to Rome. And so what he's saying in this verse and what God was saying to Paul in the text is, I've graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Verse 24. I'm not just just saving everybody. I'm saving the lives of everybody who stays with the gospel ship. This is the gospel. I don't know about you, but I'm staying with the gospel. And God wants you to just cut every other rope and every other cord that looks like a plan B. There is no plan B. It's Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. And so they let the lifeboat drift away. Reminds me of the story in Genesis, Noah's Ark. God spoke to Noah, and he said, Noah, I want you to make an ark out of gopher wood. He gave him all the dimensions for how to build it. It's got to be this long. It's got to be this high. And he told him, I want you to put a roof on the top of it. He told him, I want, I want windows all the way around the top. Do you know what God never told Noah? He never told him to put a sail on it. He never told him to put a rudder underneath it. He never told him to put a a, a steering wheel for the captain. No, no, no. He said, listen, Noah, this is not a yacht. This is not a cruise liner. This is not a boat. This is an ark of salvation. And Jesus is the captain of our salvation. Jesus is the one who's gonna direct and steer this thing. All I need you to do is get you and your family inside. And that's what the Lord is saying to some of us today. All you need to do is just make sure that you and your family are in the ark. Just be in Jesus. Just cut off every other avenue and every other method and just trust in Jesus. He is the captain of our soul. So they all are now on board. Nobody's leaving. It's funny how it's funny how when, when you hear the promises of God People are quick to say amen, but then when you hear the process of God, people say, oh my. (laughs) I mean, when Paul was saying, everybody's going to be saved, God's graciously given you in my hand, he's going, oh man, that is great. All the sailors are saying, ahoy. (laughs) And then then he says, but we're going to have to run this ship aground because it's going to be destroyed. They're going... You know what? We got this lifeboat over here. I mean, you know what? I and, and you know what? There are there are so many temptations from the enemy for us to try to fight and find our own way out of the storm. But I'm telling you today, don't abandon the ship. Don't abandon the ship. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. Don't give up halfway. I mean, they've they've come almost 500 miles. Yeah, it's been a rough 500 miles, but what they don't see is they are just on the other side of the shore. They're almost there. Don't give up and abandon the ship. Look with me at verse 33. It says this, it says, Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and you've gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Now I read that. I thought, man, that's pretty bold, Paul. I mean, can you imagine what these guys look like, how ragged they look after 14 days and nights at sea? They got vomit all over themselves. You know, they're seasick. They're all disheveled. They're soaking wet. And Paul says, not a one of you is going to lose a hair on your head. I, I, I want you to see the way his perspective changes in the storm. I want you to see how it shifts because back in verse 10, and we looked at it last week, in verse 10, they're getting ready to leave the port of Fair Havens and, and he says these words. He says, "Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. It's going to bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. That, that's just surveying the weather. That's just an experienced traveler looking at the circumstance and going, guys, this is not well. This is not going to go good. Fast forward many days and nights at sea. And in verse 20, finally, we had given up all hope of ever being saved. But then Paul has an encounter with God. Paul gets a hold of God. Paul hears a word from God. His faith begins to build. He speaks that word out to everyone else. And all of a sudden, verse 22, Paul comes out of the prayer closet and he says, keep up your courage because none of you will be lost. Faith is building. Faith is building. And now here we are in verse 34 and he says, not a hair on your head will be lost. I want to challenge you today to get a right perspective in the storm. If God be for us, who can be against us? Get a right perspective in the storm. Jesus said in Matthew 10, he said, don't be afraid of one who can just kill the body. You ought to fear the one who can destroy your soul. Amen. In other words, why, why are you fretting? Why are you anxious for someone that, that, that might cause a death in this life? Don't you know that death in this life is a doorway into eternal life? He said, if you want to have fear, you ought to not fear the storm. You ought to fear the one who controls the storm. Amen. The one who can say, peace, be still, and silence the wind and waves. That's who you ought to fear. You need to get a right perspective in the storm. I'm not saying the storm's not real. I'm not saying the problems aren't big problems. I'm not saying that the feelings are not genuine feelings. But you got to get a right perspective on the storm. And the perspective that Paul took was one of praise not the first time he's taken this perspective you remember Acts chapter 16 Paul and Silas were in shackles it had almost become a part of his wardrobe he had found himself in shackles so many times and they were beaten they were bleeding and in the midnight hour the Bible says Paul and Silas began to lift up their voice in praise to God still shackled Still bleeding, still hurting, still in pain, but they changed their outlook. They changed their perspective. They took a posture of praise. They chose to fix their eyes on the author and finisher of their faith. Amen. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God moved into that prison and began to shake with the power of the Spirit. And the Bible says, every chain fell off, and every prison door was open. See, breakthrough comes on the other side of praise. Amen. Some of you just need to learn how to praise your way to victory. Yes. Man, if I had somebody on an organ right now, I could really just get a, go somewhere with this. You know, I feel like I need a little help today. I need like a 300-pound brother back there just following me on this point, about to praise my way to victory. Paul does something incredible. He's on the ship and, and he says, listen, you need to eat. It's been 14 days. None of you have eaten. You're tired. You're weary. I've already told you this ship is not going to survive. we am about to swim. You need to eat. And, and let me just say that's a common sense word. That's, that's a good word. You know, walking by faith does not mean walking in stupidity. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of people that have, have done some pretty foolish things by you know, ignoring their doctor's orders or, or not getting a checkup or, or, or not giving uh, you know, due diligence for their kids. And then the, the rationale is, well, I'm just trusting the Lord. Well, let me tell you, the Lord gave you a brain between those two ears and he wants you to use it. God hath not given you a spirit of stupidity. He wants you to use it. And so so Paul just says, hey, listen, we need to eat something. But he does something more. It's not just common sense. Paul, in that moment, the Bible says he took bread. Nobody taken bread for 14 days. He took bread. The Bible says he broke it and he thanked God for it. He thanked God for it. Look, Look at it with me in the text. He broke the bread and he thanked God for it. And then down in verse 36, it says they were all encouraged. And they ate some food themselves. All of them. The next verse tells us there was 276 on board. And every one of them began to praise God. Every one of them were encouraged and they began to eat. Listen, never underestimate the power and the impact of one person who's willing to praise God in spite of their circumstance. You know what? A world is watching and they're waiting to see how you're going to react to the storm. Amen. Are you going to worry or are you going to worship? Are you going to pout or are you going to praise? you going to hightail it out and hide? Are you going to look for the lifeboat? Are you going to stand and believe the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus? Amen. amen. Never underestimate the value of one person. Kids, when you go back to school in a few weeks... Never underestimate the impact of one kid who's willing to bow their head and thank God for their food in the cafeteria. Just one person who's willing to say, I'm going to give God praise right now. (laughs) I might be the only one, but my perspective is on the Lord. And I'm going to give God praise. And the Bible says every one of them were encouraged. Look at verse 38 with me. We're moving into something here. We're coming to the end of the chapter. It says, when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. In other words, this is it. I mean, we have resigned to accept the will of God. We all had something to eat. God told Paul that this ship's going to go down. So let's just go ahead and lighten the load. Let's throw off all the cargo. It's not going to survive. We want this ship to just be light and to stay afloat as long as possible. And so now they are prepared to embrace the word that God has spoken. Now look at verse 39 with me as our worship team comes. It says, when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Verse 40 says, cutting loose the anchors. They left them in the sea. And at the same time, they untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and they made for the beach. This is it. We're going to make a run at it. Look at verse 41. But the ship struck the sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move and the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding of the surf. So here they are. They said, okay, it'll, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. We're trusting God. And now the, the, the ship is stuck and it's just being battered and it's being tossed. And this is the moment where are we going to believe God or what, what are we going to do here? Now, earlier, it looked like the soldiers were the good guys because when the sailors were looking for the lifeboat it was the soldiers that heard Paul say hey unless they stay we won't be saved and they ran and cut the cords to the lifeboat but but look at what verse 42 says the soldiers did the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping see if these soldiers prisoners get away they're going to be held responsible it's the the soldiers they're going to have to give an account for the crimes that were never paid for and so they recognize in this moment hey wait a minute wait a minute I mean salvation sounds good but I'm not I'm not willing to not willing to risk losing our prisoners let's just kill them all and there may be some people like that in your life that they'll do whatever they can do so long as it benefits them. They're sailors and their soldiers all around. But thank God, there's also a centurion in the boat. There's somebody else in the boat that is looking out for Paul's good. In fact, if you go back to the very beginning of this chapter, it says that Paul and those with him were given into the custody of Julius, the centurion. Down in verse 3, where they made their first port, it says, Out of kindness to Paul, Julius allowed him to stay with his friends so that they could minister to his needs. God had put this authority figure in his life to be a blessing to him. Now, think about it. Julius has the keys to the shackles that are holding Paul. Paul could have got a bad attitude about it, he could have been frustrated. He could have been angry, but instead, he humbled himself. He, he understood that all authority comes from God. He understood that those who humble themselves in the sight of the Lord, he will exalt. He will lift up in due time. And so rather than having an attitude of arrogance and, and who, who do you think you are to, to shackle me, Paul submitted himself to that authority and God used it to favor his life. See, God puts people in your life to give you favor in the moments that you need it. And the Bible says while the soldiers were were trying to make a plan to just kill all these prisoners. Look at verse 43. It says, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life. And he kept them from carrying out the plan. He kept them. God wants to keep you. There are people that God's put in your life. They're trying to help you. They're trying to give you good advice. They're trying to give you sound counsel. And you don't want to hear it and you're frustrated and you push back from it. But let me tell you, God wants to keep you. He wants to keep you. That's why it's so important you stay with the ship. Stay with the ship. You know what the enemy wants to do? The moment you start to get overwhelmed with the circumstances in your life, he wants you to be isolated. He doesn't want you to listen to anybody. Paul humbled himself he submitted to an authority even an an ungodly authority he submitted himself and God used that authority to save his life that verse goes on to say Julius ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land Look at the next verse. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. And in this way, in this way, everyone reached land safely. You know, there's some in the house of God, probably some even in this sanctuary today you're like those first ones that just jumped overboard and started swimming to the shore I mean you heard the gospel maybe even as a as a young kid I mean the moment that you saw the gospel you just dove right in you were just like oh yeah we're going to heaven I'm on my way to glory we're shouting victory You're, you, it's just been man you've got like an incredible spiritual strength you're just just backstroking your way and then there's others of us that we're hanging onto a board. We're spitting and sputtering water. We're, we're kicking in circles and we're going, oh, I got to get there. And you, if that's you, you're frustrated at the folks that are just enjoying the journey. You know, they're just swimming along. It's good, man. God is good. Isn't God good? Isn't God... Oh, look, I caught a wave. Man, I caught a current. It's good. And you're going, come on, man. I got. I'm not doing this thing right. What's going on? Paul says this, it says, and in this way, everyone reach the land safely. Everyone reach the land safely. Listen, don't, don't get frustrated at the pace. You're moving in the right direction. Don't get frustrated if you feel like the current's against you. You're moving in the right direction. Just hold on a little bit longer. Hold on. Even if you got to hold on to the broken pieces. See, Jesus said this. Jesus said on the night he was going to be betrayed, he sat there with his disciples around the table. The Bible says he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. Broken for you. Can I tell you today? God can do miracles with broken pieces. God can do miracles if you'll just hold on to Jesus. If you'll just hold on and say, you know what? This board... I'm going to cling to this cross until I get to that shore. I'm going to cling to this cross until I reach my destination. I'm going to cling to this cross until this water finally leads me all the way. Broken pieces. God wants to use them. Some of you look at your life today and it's shipwrecked. I feel like I, everything I thought I was going to use to get where I needed to go, it's in pieces. God wants to lift you up. He uses broken pieces. I want to pray for you today. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray with me. Because maybe you're here today and, and you would say, you know what, this, this story is it's my story. This story is my story. Maybe you've been one that's kind of been looking for plan B. You've always opted for the lifeboat. Every time this whole walk of faith thing sounded too hard, you look for another way. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I've tried my dead level best to do it on my own. But what I'm facing today has absolutely wrecked my life. And today you would say, Pastor Aaron, I, I need... I need to grab a hold of a board. I need to grab a hold of a cross, the cross of Christ Jesus and believe him to be my Savior and my Lord and to rescue me. And can I just say to you today, I'm not just talking about getting you to heaven's shores. I'm not just talking about God giving you some kind of uh, peace of mind so that when you lay your head down at night, you know that when this life is over, you're going to be on the other side. Now what a promise, what a blessed hope that is. But can I remind you that Paul was not on his way to heaven, he was going to Rome. Paul had a purpose, he had a destiny, he had a gospel that he was still called to preach and so do you. So do you. There's something more after this. There's something after the storm that God wants you to do. So listen, I'm not just talking about God giving you hope for heaven talking about God restoring purpose for today and if that's you and you say I I need that I need that I need need that then I want to pray for you if that's you I'm looking at you you're looking at me if that's you and you say pastor Aaron I, I need God to restore hope I need God to rescue me I need Jesus to be my savior to be my Lord We're about to pray. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me? That's me. Praise God. Praise God. Anyone else? Praise God. Amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate these decisions that are being made right now? Come on. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Let's all stand together. Church, I want you to pray this prayer with them. And maybe you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you were like, ah, a little hesitant. Listen, you can pray right now. This is between you and God. Let's pray this together. Say, dear God, dear God thank, you for Jesus thank you for sending Jesus to be my lifeline, to, be my lifeline, to rescue me, to rescue me from, myself from myself and from my circumstance. From my circumstance. I, put my faith I put my faith in the finished work, in the finished work of, redemption. of redemption. I believe, I believe Jesus died, Jesus died and, he rose again, and he rose again and because he lives, I can live also by faith. I am a new creation. The old is gone. The old is gone. Behold, all things have become new in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God praise today. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.